which uh, is, you know, all of those things are something that I want to thank you for indulging us in because most of the time, I feel like in the Western world anyway, like the Northern Hemisphere, Western world, we just kind of push those things away. We don't really want to spend a lot of time talking about spiritual forces of good and spiritual forces of evil, but they exist. And so thanks for indulging us these last few weeks and spending some time learning about them and, and how we as Christians think about them because they are our story. They are part of scripture and where we uh, grab on to ideas and faith is through scripture. And so ultimately, all of our victories are expressed in spiritual terms in Scripture, and all of our failures are expressed in spiritual terms in Scripture as well. But today, we're wrapping up this Stranger Things series to talk about what a lot of people would call spiritual warfare. When I was a kid, I thought of spiritual warfare as like angels and demons fighting over me or fighting over you. And I don't really think about it that way anymore. I don't give that much credence the idea of the demonic, for one thing, but I definitely think that there are forces that tug at us, like, should I stay? Should I go? And I know the right thing to do is to stay or to go, but for some reason I just want to do the other thing, and what is that, and how do we deal with it? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. I want to start off by reading from 1 Peter to you. This is 1 Peter chapter 5, starting with verse 6, and we'll read through verse 9. And this is from the Common English Bible, which is my preferred Bible to read out loud from. It's, it's, a, it's a highly um, academic um, translation of the Bible, but it's translated in such a way that it's supposed to be read aloud. It's easier for our ears to hear this version read aloud. So. Paul writes this, or, I'm sorry, not Paul, Peter writes this. Therefore, humble yourselves under God's power, so that he may raise you up in the last day. Throw all your anxiety onto him, because he cares about you. Be clear-headed. Keep alert. Your accuser, the devil, is on the prowl like a roaring lion, lion seeking to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith, do so in the knowledge that your fellow believers are enduring the same suffering throughout the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this is our story, that there's good and that there's evil and that there's things that are fighting, like pulling us away from the walk of Christ and things that are kind of encouraging us and pushing us forward and, and challenging us to do better on the walk of Christ. And we live in this tension between the two things, which isn't a bad thing, but we need to be aware. This book, 1 Peter, was written essentially for brand new Christians. To kind of give brand new Christians an idea of what to expect in this life of faith, of trying to live out the things that Jesus encouraged us and told us to live into and to live out from, and to try to make the world better, and what will we encounter? And so... He kind of closes it off. The closing deal is this past, this section that I just read to you. So therefore, humble yourselves under God's power so that he may raise you up on the last day. It's important for us to recognize some of the truths that come from that. 
So he starts off by saying, be clear-headed. Be alert. Be able to pay attention to what is happening around you and in you. There are other people that are enduring just like you are. Lean on them and let them lean on you. Because struggles are part of what life is. And you're not alone in the struggles. That's essentially what Peter is saying. But if we're going to talk about these battles, these spiritual battles of trying to stay on the path, we need to talk about like the strategies, right? If, if, if Randy and Andy Reid were really here today, they might try to talk to us about strategies for living. That's what a good coach does, is develop good strategies and help the help her or his players understand what those strategies are so that they can implement them best. So when are some times that we're vulnerable? Like if we're going to self-study and, and watch our own lives to try to learn what our own weaknesses are, so then we can know like where we might possibly be attacked, we need to think about this. And I would say that number one, when we are the most vulnerable is when we are at our strongest. When things are going really well, and things are just kind of falling into place, we're extremely vulnerable. Because it's in those moments that we get prideful, and we get cocky, and we think that nobody can beat us, and nobody's going to take this on, and we're solid, and we're standing firm, and we're doing a great job. But as scripture tells us, that pride comes before the fall. So if we're proud, which is the opposite of humble... We're in danger. So what's the antidote? What's the antidote to being prideful is humility. Therefore, humble yourselves under God's power so that he may raise you up in the last day. Humility, if you think about a posture of it, is kind of hands together. Shoulders might be hunched a little bit, head might be down, almost like a fighter's stance. It's harder to attack somebody who's in that position. Their body is guarded, their head is down, they're maybe standing sideways so that you don't get a full flow with them. But a proud image is somebody standing tall with maybe their neck long and their arms back. They're vulnerable for attack. You ever see those fighters who sometimes step into the ring and they're all cocky and arrogant and they're standing and they've got their hands down and they're talking trash and all of a sudden, deep. That's what happens to us spiritually also. So standing in a humble posture and recognizing that we need to have help is a stronger position than standing prideful. I know in my life, when I think I can do it, it falls apart. If I think, like, ah, I, can, I can write this sermon, I don't even need to spend much time in study or prayer, like, I'm ready to go, I will stand up here and you will see the wheels come off. But if I sit down and I start with prayer and I say, I need your help, I do not know what to say, help me understand what I'm reading so that I can help other people find hope in it, God, it seems like, always comes through. And it happens like that in other parts of my life as well. As soon as I let my guard down, I get attacked. Another time I think that we're extremely vulnerable 
as human beings is when we are trying to make a change in our lives. If you talk to anybody who is in recovery from addiction, they will tell you that when they get arrogant and they think they've got it under control, and when they're really trying to lean in and make some changes, it gets hard. That's why people in recovery usually will oftentimes congregate together to find community and strengthen one another because they see that they can't do it alone and they need help. Newton's third law of motion is what? Anybody know? There you go, I knew you were smart. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. You all are smart, I knew it. Tyrone, you knew that, you learned it like in fifth grade and locked it into that steel trap. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. If you blow up a balloon, the force that is held inside of that balloon when you let go comes out and it blows the balloon across. You're pushing energy in, the energy comes out in an equal and opposite direction. It's the same thing when you jump. The force that you come up with is the force that you come down with, right? Like those are the natural understandings of it. But I also believe that that's a spiritual law. That for every positive action we take spiritually to help ourselves become better and more whole, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Sometimes it's internally, and sometimes it's some sort of external force. You decide, listen, I want to love the Lord my God with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. And because my body is a temple, I need to do something to get it in better shape because that's one of the ways that I have decided I want to love the Lord. And the next thing you know, people are bringing food to your house to eat that you don't want to be eating, but you're going to eat it anyway, right? There's an equal and opposite reaction to every spiritual action that we take. So what's the antidote? The antidote is resistance, is readiness. Be clear-headed, Peter says to us. Stay alert. Pay attention. Take care of yourself. All the time. You need to, we need to be doing the things to take care of our own souls on a regular basis, not just seasonally when we know struggle comes this time every year for me because this is the day that is the anniversary of signing my divorce papers. Or this is the day of the anniversary of a loved one's death, and so I'm going to do the hard work to prepare so that I'm ready for that day. Like, those are good things, but every single day, we need to be doing something to stay alert and be prepared. Drink enough water, literally, like take care of your body. Pray and meditate. Create margins in your life. So if you're a person who says, I just don't have enough time in the day, maybe you should go to bed a little earlier so you can get up earlier to have margins where you're not rushing so that you can drink coffee as a ritual. Go for a walk around the neighborhood listening to birds and watching for squirrels or whatever. Being attentive to what's happening around you. Peter equates the voice that I talk about a lot. You know, I, I talk about in baptism, we receive a new name, child of God. And that the first thing the deceiver, the deceptive one, our adversary does is cause us to start questioning that. That voice, Peter says, is like a lion on the prowl. 
Has anybody seen that video that came out a few weeks ago of the mountain lion stalking that guy? That is a perfect image, I think, of what we're talking about. There's a preacher that I really like named Tex Sample. His real name on his birth certificate is Tex. And Tex Sample tells the story of going down to the South during the Civil Rights Movement, and he would march, he was a community organizer and a pastor at the time, and he would go down there and help organize marches and that sort of thing, and he said one of the things that would happen is they would do similar to wolves, actually. They would put the weakest, most frail people in the center of the march, and the strongest, biggest people on the outside, especially on the corners, as if it's a cornerstone to a building. And then other strong people would line up next to the cornerstones, and that's because they would take a lot of physical things thrown at them, they would be spat upon, sometimes it would get rough, and the smaller, more frail people would be in the center. That's how wolves work, because wolves understand that when they attack, just like a mountain lion, just like a lion in Africa, they're going after the person who is alone, and they're going after the person who is weak and frail. So we have to be alert, because this lion is on the prowl. And I think lastly, the ways that we are vulnerable is when we are struggling. When we are just having a hard time in life. And I know a lot of us, I'm included in this as well. When we start to really struggle and have a hard time, we'll isolate ourselves. We pull back because we're already tender and we're already raw and we don't need more stuff coming at us. So we will pull back in order to protect ourselves. But really what happens in those times is that we're making ourselves more vulnerable because at that point, we're like the wounded animal at the back of the pack. That's easy to attack and easy to be taken. So the antidote is to stand firm and get help. Stay connected with all of your strength. Fight against every urge to disconnect from people and lean in more to stand firm in that. I was in um, Santa Fe this last week with some pastor friends of mine. We were uh, reading and studying and just kind of hanging out together and retreating. And we went down Canyon Road and went through a bunch of art galleries through there. And it was interesting to do that with a bunch of other nerdy pastors because we all were like seeing different spiritual stories in the art that we were seeing. And we went into Dave McGrary's studio up there, not his studio, the, the place where they sell most of his art. And there were some sculptures that were really, the first time I saw them was back in August and they drew me to them again. And it was of some Lakota warriors that are part of what's called the Brave, or Strong Heart Society. Anybody ever heard of the Strong Heart Society? They would, they would, and they would be, they were like special forces essentially in the Lakota tribes. They painted their faces in a different way. They had a white triangle on their face that was surrounded by black. If you saw that, you knew you were in trouble. But they were territorial warriors. They would carry a staff with feathers off of one end of it, and they would stick that staff in the ground outside of their camp or wherever they were protecting, and they would tie their foot to it. And they would stand firm in that place. No matter what came at them, they were standing right then and there. You can 
come fight me, I'm not leaving, I'm standing right here. And if they would survive the first time they would do that, they were brought into the strong heart society. It was a group of people who stood together. Our job is to stand firm. When we're struggling, stand firm. Stay in that spot with the people who are there with you, who are going to protect you, and you are protecting them. Whatever your struggle is, don't go through it alone. Don't withdraw. Because it's a dangerous place to withdraw. <clears throat> when we uh, lived in Abilene, Texas, we lived on Sales Boulevard. When we first bought the house, the people at the church that I was working at were saying, like, oh, man, you better get ready for Halloween. And I was like, what about Halloween? You're going to have hundreds of trick-or-treaters. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Hundreds. There's no way. So we bought a big bag of candy, you know, the one with, like, I don't know, 50, 100 pieces in it. And we would just reach in. When trick-or-treaters would come, we'd reach into the bag and drop three or four pieces in. Within 45 minutes, we were out of candy. We had hundreds and hundreds of trick-or-treaters. You would see like people lined up to come trick-or-treat at all of the houses along that way. It was like some old, it was like E.T. Remember in E.T. when all the kids were out trick-or-treating? It was like that, except there were creepy adults who would trick-or-treat also. <laughs> like full-on grown people dressed up in scary costumes, literally trick-or-treating. One of Elise's friends one time was standing there and a grown-up came up to him and he was like, no, you're too old, to a grown person. But there was a guy that every year would walk around and try to scare people. A grown man would walk up to little kids with like a bloody hammer and pretend like he was going to hit them or something. He was, he was a scary person even to me. And I remember walking down the street, and he starts walking up to us, and Elise and Emery are little, and Emery's real little, and Elise is little, and they, they're scared. I can sense it. I can, I can literally feel it because they're, like, pushing up against me, right? When they were scared and they were feeling alone, they went to where they thought there was a place of strength. So the dude walks up, and I was like, go away. He was like, Ugh. and I was like, go away. And he left. We're not alone. When you're the most scared, when you're feeling the strongest, when you're trying to make changes, you are not alone. We are truly in this together. And it's not just us. God is standing there with a stake in the ground, lashed to it, saying, you don't get to go past this. And we just stand there with God. And God will tell whatever it is, go away. So in closing, if you feel as though you have been devoured. Stand firm. Remembering that God forgives us and loves us 
without end. Failure, friends, is not the end of a transition time. When you're making hard decisions and trying to do better in your life, failure is not the end. Stand firm. Remember that God loves you. If you're feeling hopeless, stand firm, knowing without a doubt that God defeats whatever is threatening you. There is no power greater than the power of God, and God makes us stronger than we can ever know. And if you're feeling strong, things are going well, you're doing good, and this is a season of victory for you, for you, I would say standing firm means remembering that your strength is not for you. It's to be shared. So stand firm knowing that you have enough strength in those moments, those days of victory, to share with others and lash your foot to that, to that post and stay right there giving away your strength. Bring so much hope knowing that we're not alone. God, when I'm standing in a position of strength and I feel like things are going well, help me to stay humble, knowing that they're not going well just because of me. They're going well because of the strength that you give me. And God, please give us all the courage to give our strength away. And Lord, for those of us who are struggling and those of us who are trying to make changes, help us to stand firm with you and for you so that we can shine more light into the world and help make this place as much like heaven on, as possible. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.